0: Shalom. Shalom. We heard from Messianics that women don't have to wear seats Is that correct? I would say no, it's not correct. I know that that's Judaism, whereas the Bible says, and let me just point you, because this is a good place to just go in Numbers chapter number 15, verse number 38 and you'll see what it says. Speak unto the children of Israel. Now, in Judaism, they would say, well, that word children there is Ben or Ben. That's the translation. And Ben is like, you know, Bat is for daughter when it comes down to Batya or the daughter of. Ben means the son of. And because this word children is translated from the Hebrew ben or bain as it it looks phonetically, then individuals see, would say, well, that's for men. But no, if you are the children of Israel, the children of Israel, another definition for that word ben is sons and daughters. And this is where you got to look at context. You just can't take a word and look at the word because the word has several meanings. Just like we looked at Barack, and you gotta take the word in the context and say, okay, which one of these actually fit within this context? Because children means children, not sons only. People, nation, and so no, seats are for everyone. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Genesis 49 opens with Israel calling his sons together to tell them what is going to happen in the future concerning them and their posterity. In the previous chapter, he speaks to Joseph, adopts Joseph's two sons, and speaks over their lives. Those words that Israel spoke to Ephraim and Manasseh are still being used today. Join me in this portion of Torah as Israel speaks prophetically to his sons and reveals their future in the message titled, Israel, Barak His Sons. So, let's study. We're going to be talking about Israel, Barak, his sons. And I say this or Barak, uh, his sons. I say this because there is this word that we found. We we didn't look at it last week because I was waiting for this week. But I wanted to pull in uh, last week because in this Torah portion in Genesis 49, it opens with Israel calling his sons together. And he's calling them to tell them what is going on or what is going to happen in the future concerning them and their posterity. And as we noted in the previous chapter, we learned that Israel's eyesight was fading. He speaks to Joseph, adopts Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and then he speaks over their lives. Those words that Israel spoke to Ephraim and Manasseh, as we pointed out, are still being used today as individuals bless their sons and say, may you be like Ephraim and Manasseh. May Jehovah make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he spoke prophetically. And this is what we're going to see here tonight is that Israel speaks prophetically over his sons and he reveals their future and then Now he proceeds into chapter 49 and he carried on with his other sons. In Genesis 48, 19, we read, And his father refused and said, I know it. That's when he crossed his hands. He says, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Now, how did Israel know that? This is a question. How does he know this? In verse 20, he uses this word and he blessed them. And that word is Barak. He blessed them that day saying in thee shall Israel bless saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And so what we're gonna see in this chapter, Israel called his sons together and he's gonna tell them some things. And again, verse 28 reveals that what Israel does is barak his sons. And I'm pointing this out because I'm setting you all up, but I'm letting you know it's a good setup. In verse 28, verse chapter 49. I want to jump to verse twenty eight before I get to verse one because verse twenty eight reveals to us what he's about to do in verse one all the way up to twenty seven all these note this all these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them and blessed them every one according to his Blessing, he blessed them. And so the first thing I want to ask before we go any further is how many tribes of Israel were there? That's what it says in verse number 28. However, if you count the 12 tribes of Israel mentioned in this verse and add Ephraim and Manasseh, whom Israel declared as his. In the previous chapter, how many tribes do you have? You got 14 tribes. Huh. Let's count them. See, people confuse 12 tribal lands to mean there were only 12 tribes when in fact there were 14 tribes. In chapter 48, verse 13, we see Ephraim and Manasseh. How many is that? That's two. In Genesis 49, verse 3, we're going to see Reuben, verse 5, Simeon and Levi, verse 8, Judah, verse 13, Zebulun, verse 14, Issachar, verse 16, Dan, verse number 19, Gad, verse 20, Asher, verse 21, Naphtali, verse 22, Joseph, and verse 27, Benjamin. So in essence, we see 14 actual tribes, 12 tribes in Genesis 49, two tribes in Genesis 48. He's going to bless Joseph in Genesis 49. He doesn't bless Ephraim and Manasseh in Genesis 49. Why? Because he has blessed them in Genesis chapter number 48. Now, When you look at the map, you'll find, and this is one of those maps that has the 12 tribes of Israel, but not all the 12 tribes of Israel is on the map. Why? Because Joseph is not there and Levi is not there. But yet you got 12 tribes. Was not Joseph a tribe? Yes, he was. Was not Levi a tribe? Yes, he was. But Levi, we're going to see Why he's not on the map, although on this map, you'll note if you got really keen vision, there are red dots on the map because Levi was not given tribal land, nor was Joseph given tribal land. His sons were given tribal land. That didn't negate Joseph as a tribe It's just that he wasn't given tribal land. His sons were given tribal land, which was really Israel's sons. And those red dots on the map here, if you got good eyes, you'll find cities within tribal lands. The word Barak has several meanings in scripture. And this is what I want to point out. It means Or the way it is used, the word blessed 302 times, salute five times, curse four times, blaspheme twice, blessings twice, praise, kneel down twice, congratulate, kneel, and on and on. Now, what's interesting is the word for blessing is also the word for curse. In a few verses where it uses the same word, and these are found in Job. In Job 1, it says, But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he had, and he will barack thee to thy face. Job 2.5 But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will barack thee to thy face. Job 2.9 Then said his wife, and these are words, these are curse. He will curse you. He will curse you. Now in verse nine, then said his wife unto him, does thou still retain thine integrity? Curse Barak God and die. And then in Job one five, and it was so when the days of their feastings were gone about that Job sinned and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Barak, God in their hearts. And so Job did what? Job did this continually. What did he do? He offered burnt offerings for his children. Now get the picture. Job's children lived over here. Job and his wife lived over here. And while they were living, they parted. They hung out. Job was concerned because, see, I suspect Job knows that if he's in if they're in his house, he can see what they're doing. For the most part, because, you know, children hide in their parents' house and do stuff. But in a totally different house, Job has no idea, but he knows his children. (laughs) I know my children. And it's possible that they were cursing God while they were doing what they were doing. Anyway, Barak, Barak, Baruch. Barak, Barak, Baruch. Now, these are names. These are all Hebrew words or Hebrew words, but they're also, in some cases, names. And here's where I want to kick over the first and the second sacred cow. The Messianic sacred cow. Like I said, don't hate me. I'm just pointing out what's not there. The Sabbath blessings are not found in the Bible. They're straight out of Judaism. Jewish blessings not found in the Bible, and you've probably heard it and said it. Baruch HaTadonah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Minharats. This is the blessing over what? The bread. Baruch HaTadonah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Bori What is this? The blessing over the... The wine. And so now you have individuals week after week after they've blessed the Sabbath. Blessed is the Sabbath or blessed are you, O Lord, who who have commanded us to keep or kindle the Sabbath light. There is no command for that. And these particular blessings are not found in the Bible. Now, people teach that Abraham and Yeshua and others prayed. You probably heard somebody say when when the Melech Sadiq came and Abraham brought out bread and wine. And he blessed it. He, he prayed this prayer. Abraham didn't do that. There's no record of Abraham doing it. And I'm going to prove to you why he couldn't have done it. In fact, if you go back and look at the record, it was the Malik Sadiq who blessed Abraham, not Abraham who blessed bread or wine. He just brought it out. The first time the word Baruch is used in scripture is in Nehemiah in reference to Baruch, the son of Zabi. Nehemiah 3.20. Now, if you remember, Nehemiah is after the Babylonian captivity. Right? And this is during the time of the Persians who defeated the Babylon or the Babylonians. So the first time the word Baruch is in the Bible is not in association with the blessing But in association with an individual, and this is long after the Babylonian captivity into the Persian captivity, where Cyrus releases the children of Israel to go back into the land. And in Nehemiah 3.20, says, after him, Baruch, the son of Zabi, earnestly repaired the other piece. Baruch, the son of Zabi. Now, this Baruch, the name means blessing. No question, it means blessing. There is no biblical record that I'm aware of where Abraham, Isaac, Israel, the priests, the tribes, the judges, or the kings ever said said those prayers or pronounced those blessings. Why? Because Nehemiah comes after Abraham, Isaac, Israel, the priests the tribes, the judges, and the kings. Now, some would say that when Messiah took the bread, he blessed it. In another place, it says he gave thanks. And one would say because he blessed the bread or he he gave thanks that he said this prayer. But it's not on record. And so there are individuals who are teaching and injecting Judaism tradition (laughs) without proof. And yet week after week after week, messianics gather together, light Sabbath candles and pray these prayers or say these blessings. The only one you can find in the Bible is may Jehovah make you, Like Ephraim and Manasseh, that's the prayer or the blessing over the sun. These blessings, these prayers are Jewish tradition. Is something wrong with those blessings or prayers? No. The problem is, is when you practice them like you're doing what is written. Because somebody told you this is what they did. And there is absolutely no proof anywhere in the Bible that they did that. So when people's practice is presented as biblical, that's where the problem comes. You've got tradition. And when people pray these blessings, what are they doing? They're bringing Judaism into their homes. They're bringing Jewish traditions into their homes. They're teaching these traditions to their children. They're practicing these traditions as if they're scriptural. And what they're doing is adding to the scripture by practice. The first time, as I stated, the word Baruch is used in the Bible is in the reference to an individual. In fact, every time Baruch is mentioned in scripture, it is in reference to an individual. There is no Use of the word blessing translated Baruch anywhere in scripture prior to Nehemiah and Baruch is translated blessing, not blessing, translated Baruch. Baruch is the name of an individual. So when people say Baruch Atah, Baruch Hashem, that's all Jewish. Okay. Okay. Names in the Bible, Barak or Barak, lightning. That's what the word means. Now, the first Barak, Barak, this is Barak. Barak meant blessing. It meant there was used as curse or blaspheme. But Barak, and it is in the Bible, is the name of an individual means lightning or lightning flash. The son of Abinom of Kadesh, who incited by Deborah, prophetess of Ephraim, delivered the Israelites from the yoke of Jabin. So we can find Barak, and he's in the Bible 13 times. We can find Baruch. <laughs> Baruch equal blessed. He's used 26 times, but he's the son of Zabi or Zabiah, or Zabiah, or Zabiah, who assisted Nehemiah in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, a priest or family of priests. He was also a friend of Jeremiah. So you've got these three uses of Baruch, which means blessing, but not in re- relationship to a prayer or a blessing. Verse one, <laughs> Genesis 49. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, here it says Jacob. The translators use Jacob in verse 1 and then use Jacob and Israel in verse 2. Now, we know at this particular point, the Almighty has changed his name to what? Israel. So how would Israel know what is going to happen in the last days? It is prophetic. It is by the spirit. The spirit has, has revealed some things to Israel. And so what is he doing? He's prophesying. Now you don't find the word prophesying in this passage, but we know what prophesying is. And if you've gone through discipleship, you will find that the definition of a word may be present when the word itself is not present. And so if Israel is speaking into the future, how does he know that? Not number one, the man has lost his sight. He can barely see. He, he, he don't even know. The Bible says his sight was fading. However, he tells them, I'm going to speak to you some things that is not going to happen for hundreds of years. So how does he know this? It's by the spirit. And if the spirit is revealing him to him, these things and he's speaking them forth, what is he doing? He's prophesying. And so it is safe to say that Israel is speaking what Jehovah revealed to him and is therefore prophesying to his sons. Then he says, gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. (laughs) Okay. Now, each of Israel's sons, and here's the thing that is really interesting, they are all present. They are all present, and therefore, each of them hear what is spoken to the other one. Reuben, thou art my firstborn my might and the beginning of my strength. And what is he saying? When I first start procreating (laughs) all of my strength went into you, the firstborn, you're my first seed, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water. (laughs) You shall not excel. Why? Because you went up to my father's bed because you went up to thy father's bed. In other words, he had sexual relationship with one of his brother's mama. (laughs) He's putting it like he had sexual relationship with one of his brother's mama. You defiled my couch when you went up to it. Now, Reuben, Reuben, because of this lost his firstborn status to Joseph, who was also a firstborn first Chronicles writes chapter five. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. In other words, the birthright was changed. When he went into his father's bed and had sex with his brother's mama, he lost dignity, he lost excellency, he lost his right as firstborn. It was taken from him and given to Joseph. And so, when you look at the firstborn of Israel, is not Reuben and is not Judah, is who? Joseph. Joseph. And to the firstborn goes the double portion, and the double portion was handed out to Ephraim and Manasseh. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. Simeon. And Levi, are brethren, cruel instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. In other words, these are some cruel individuals. Oh, my soul, come now thou into their secret. What is he saying? Like any parent, you know some of the stuff your children did, but you don't know the half of it. We had some people tell us, what do you mean you didn't know your son was into that stuff? Had us fooled. We knew knew our son was doing some stuff, but man, we didn't know the half of it. And I know for me, my parents didn't know the half of the stuff I did. But he's saying, listen, come now thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. Now, now understand what, what he's saying, and, and this is something for parents. Parents, if your children ain't doing right, don't support it. Don't make excuses for your children. If they don't want to live right, why are you giving them money? What are you helping them do? What are you helping them do? You're helping them do wrong. Well, that's my son. He needs some help. Yeah. Help him do right. If, you help in the, if you're giving them resources and you know they're doing wrong, then you are aiding and abetting their wrong. And Israel is saying, oh no, I will not be a part of them. I will not be a part of what they've done. They're my sons, yes, but I know them. They're instruments of cruelty. That's who they are. For in their anger, they slew a man, and in their self-will, they dig down a wall. These are stuff that I know. They created pain for Israel. As brothers of the same father and mother, Simeon and Levi conspired together to seek revenge against the Shechemites or Shechem because of Dinah's relationship with him and took no thought of the impact of their actions on Israel or his family. Brothers and sisters, I can't tell you all all the experiences that I've had, but know this, I have eight children, eight children, and they're all grown, and I've seen some stuff. I've witnessed some stuff. And when it comes down to it, what I have to tell my children is that, you know, when you leave this house and you go out that door and you engage in all of your stuff, your secrets, your hidden stuff, the stuff that you hide from me, the stuff that you hide from your mom, the stuff that you do in darkness with whoever you do it in darkness with, When you come home, that stuff you've done follows you. If you've wronged some people out there, some of them will follow you home. And here you are as mom and pop. You're living your life holy. You're living your life unto the Almighty. And all of a sudden, trouble is outside your door. Why? Because trouble is in your house. The trouble in your house brought the trouble home and have put you at risk. This is what Simeon and Levi did. What Simeon and Levi did caused Israel to have to move. And now in Genesis thirty-four twenty-five, and it came to pass on the third day, these individuals, and this is one of the, the day this cemetery, some people talk about preachers, kids, people talk about preachers, kids, in, in many cases, rightly so, because see, here's what's dangerous, folks. It is dangerous for you to know the right thing to do, to know the word and then don't do it. And who's notorious for being taught what is written, but not doing what is written? Preachers, children. And I'm going to tell you something. They know the lingo. They know how to tell you what they think you want to hear. They know how to tickle your ears and say all the, the right stuff, but then get out out there in the darkness and man, and then come right up in your house like they ain't done nothing. So, so Job is praying for his children's over there in the house. He said, you know, I was young once. I know how things work. And then Simeon and Levi invoke the name of the most high. They said, you can have our daughter, you can have our sister, but you got to get circumcised so that you come in covenant with us. And when the men were sore, what did they do? They slew him. Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took each man, his sword, and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males, killed them all. And then you jump down to verse 30. Now between verse 25 and verse number 30, Simeon and Levi has now convinced the other brothers after they've slaughtered these people to go in and spoil them, take their stuff. They didn't kill them. But they went in and took their women, took their children, took their properties, took their animals, took all their stuff. And it came to pass on the third day when they were, they were sore. They did it in verse 30 says, and Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me. Now, if you put yourself in that environment, Jacob is fighting mad. You have troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land. Jacob was an honorable man. We went through all of that. He wanted property. He bought it. He negotiated with people. He didn't take nothing that didn't belong to him. And he said, listen, I'm willing to share my child with you along with my sons, but here are the conditions. And if you're willing to follow these conditions, then we can all be part of the same family. So Jacob's word is out there as a parent, while his sons are conspiring to do evil. And now he's angry. Not only have they made him stink, but they have, Use the name of Jehovah and the covenant of circumcision in vain. And he says, You have made me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Parasites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And all these hard headed boys can say was, They shouldn't have insulted us. They disrespected us. Yeah, but after they disrespected us, they came clean and wanted to do the right thing. And now father has to intervene. He says, okay, Jacob, here's what you do. Here's where you go. And so he says, cursed be their anger. Now this word cursed is not Barak. It's a different word. But what I'm trying to point out is that Reuben, do you think Reuben was blessed? did Israel bless Reuben? No, not in the way you would consider blessed. So he did something else other than bless, but he barracked him. (laughs) You get it? He barracked him. If you take the word and say bless, but you have to say, well, wait a minute. That don't sound like no blessing. And the reason why it don't sound like no blessing is because he was Barak. You put blessing there like it's a blessing. And then if Israel is cursing their anger, how is that associated with the blessing? Simeon and Levi, he says, curse be their anger foot was fierce and their wrath foot was cruel. In other words, there's a righteous anger. And there's a righteous wrath, but the crime, the punishment must be sufficient to the crime because of what one guy did to their sister. They killed all the men. They made the entire kingdom suffer because of the act of one person. So their cruelty, their anger, what they did was not sufficient for the crime they felt or the disrespect that had been done. And it says their wrath, for it was cruel. Their people who died, families displaced, hard work gone to naught, because of their wrath. It was cruel. And then notice this next statement I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Did, Jacob was dead. Israel was dead when this all happened. So who's speaking? Who's speaking? It's coming out of his mouth, but it's not coming from him. I will divide them. And what happens? The Levites were not given tribal land, but towns in the land of the other tribes, according to numbers. Numbers 35, 1, and Jehovah spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give unto the Levites of the inheritance of their possessions cities to dwell in. And you shall give also unto the Levites suburbs for the cities round about them. So who's dividing them? Jehovah but who was speaking Israel. Why he's prophesying. He's speaking things that father now is going to bring to pass. Why? Because father is, is giving him the things to speak. Numbers 35, three and the cities shall they have to dwell in and the suburbs of them shall be for their cattle and for their goods and for all their beasts. So what happens? The Levites were given cities they were given properties in the city. They were given land in the city for their cattle, but they were not given any tribal land. So the Levites could own land. The Levites could own land. They just didn't have the land of Levi, like the land of Judah or the land of Zebulun or the land of Dan or the land of Benjamin. Benjamin. They could own land, they could own property, contrary to what other people are teaching, that the Levites couldn't own any land. Read your Bible. Simeon was given land in the land of Judah. Joshua 19.1, and the second lot came forth to Simeon, even for the tribe of the children of Simeon. Who's talking? Father is telling them how to divide the land. It says, according to their families and their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. So where's Simeon land? Simeon's land is in the land of Judah. Now, if you go back to the map, that I showed you, you'll see that in the land of Judah, down at the bottom of this map is Simeon where inside of Judah scattered, separated. They were still Israel's children. They were still given an inheritance, but their actions had to be atoned for. And so, as we go forward, he continues to speak Israel and he says in verse number 19, again, Joshua 19, continuing on from Joshua 19, 1, Joshua nineteen nine. out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon for the part of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them. And now we go into the longest of the Barak or blessings, and that is in Judah. And you'll find as as we go through this chapter that Judah and Joseph get the longest blessing or words than all of the other tribes. Why? Because you have the firstborn and then you have the kingdom but you'll notice that when Israel is divided you could say the house of Israel was the house of Ephraim or the house of Joseph and the house of Judah was the house of Judah <laughs> that's the divided kingdom we'll get into that later verse 8 Judah thou he whom thy brethren shall praise thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. And so what is he saying here? Out of Judah will come the king. Now, the first king was Saul. Saul was not of the tribe of Judah. But Jehovah raised up David. Now, there's some dynamics. As we go forth, you'll see King David would come from Judah. Messiah Yeshua, the king of kings, would come from the tribe of Judah. And these words uh, going forward are considered messianic prophecy in Genesis 49, nine Judah is a lion's web. And this is why you will hear people talk about the lion of Judah. They took on the identity of the lion. Thou art going up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up the scepter. This is the symbol of rulership shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes until Shiloh comes and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So what happens? Well, this idea of Shiloh, Shiloh is a place and it's the place where when the children of Israel comes out of Egypt and they tabernacle, they, they wander the longest place of the tabernacle was in Shiloh. And so Shiloh means rest. It's, it's a rest is one of the words that goes along with it. And he says, until Shiloh comes. In other words, They're going to wander until they settle. And Shiloh was a place of settlement. But while in Shiloh, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant was there. Now, Eli was the, the high priest during the time of Shiloh. When we look at it, we're going to find that Samuel's mother, Samuel, was from Shiloh. Samuel was born in Shiloh. Samuel was brought to Eli at Shiloh and was raised in the house of Eli. It was Samuel after growing up in Shiloh that became the prophet of Jehovah during the reign of Saul and who spoke and prophesied what? That David would be the king where? In Shiloh. Under King David, Israel had rest. Until Solomon, after Solomon's rule, the kingdom was divided. Verse 11 binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's coat unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. And these are things that is going to play out over the time until Messiah comes. There's bits and pieces that the prophets will speak about or that will manifest in the times of the prophets over the time of the kings up until Messiah. And here's where we're going to stop. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey on twitter at apostle bailey and you can subscribe to our youtube page at apostle arthur bailey one if you're in the charlotte area please come and fellowship with us we'll do our best to make you feel right at home our address is on our website at the about link under contact us again thank you for joining us and until next time shalom saints